0: Good afternoon, everyone. It is the Monday edition of the Dark to Light podcast. I have a very special treat for you today, as we are interviewing Dr. Sean Baker. Some of you guys may know him from Joe Rogan, but he is a, uh, a longtime um, low-carb carnivore dude. But he's he's doing something really cool, and I wanted to talk to him and bring it to you guys all. So, without further ado. I bring you Dr. Sean Baker. Good afternoon or morning, depending on when you are watching this show. I am so blessed to be here with Dr. Sean Baker, the author of The Carnivore Diet. You are someone that, you know, I've followed for quite some time now. I love the snark. I love the uh, the the information. I love what you do. Um, and I wanted to bring you to everybody and have you talk to them about what you've learned on this journey. So we're gonna start from the basics, if that's okay with you.
1: Yeah, of course, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, by the way, Tracy, appreciate it.
0: It's a pleasure, it really is. So tell us about yourself. Where'd you come from, you you know, what have you done? I know, but they might not, so go ahead. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, uh, I came from my mom, so <laughs>
0: uh
1: No, I'm, a, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I, I, you know, I train traditionally, you know, I, college degree in biology, uh, you know, went to medical school, uh, did my surgical residency in orthopedics. I spent years replacing people's knees and hips and fixing broken bones and doing sports medicine surgeries. And after about, I don't know, 10 years into this, I, you know, kind of realized that most of what I was seeing was just, you know, kind of lifestyle related disease. I thought I went into orthopedics with the the express thought that, hey, somebody breaks their arm, I can, you know, I can put a plate or a metal rod in there and they're done. But re- the reality was that most of what I was seeing was arthritis and tendonitis and you know, carpal tunnel type stuff. And that all, as it turns out, is mostly a lifestyle-related uh, issue. And so as I started to uh, you know, address my own personal health issues with diet, uh, I started to do that with my patients. And what I started to notice is that many of them, when you fix their diet, their orthopedic issues started to go away. Whereas, they, you know, I had people that I literally were, was going to schedule for a knee replacement or I had them on my operating schedule, and we changed their diet in order to help them lose weight for the surgery, and all of a sudden their knee stopped hurting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's curious. It's interesting. Well, then maybe we don't need to do surgery on you. So long story short, I ended up leaving orthopedics to sort of focus on a lifestyle because I think ultimately uh, prevention of all these you know, just diseases and all these procedures that we end up doing because of disease is a better way to go. And so that's, you know, kind of where I've been. I've, you know, I, I over the years, I looked into nutrition, I've been studying nutrition for little, you know, well over a decade now. And at some point in that crazy journey, it led me to attempt this crazy all meat diet, which I later called the carnivore diet, you know, wrote, wrote a bustling book on that. And, you know, as strange as it sounds, it, I had the best you know, health outcome of, of my whole life. I, I couldn't believe how uh, incredibly good I felt. And and so uh, at this point, we have now literally hundreds of thousands of people that have now done this, and many, if not most of them, report very similar findings, that they they just get better, they get healthier. And so uh, it, it leads you to believe that, you know, a lot of what we've been told about health is is perhaps based on flawed data or incorrect information or, you know, perhaps even some sort of, uh interest in other, you know, other areas to, to you know, to, to put a sort of conspiracy theory bent on it, which I think it's just has to do with profit mostly. So I think we've been misled around diet and, you know, we're, we're attempting to prove that. So I'm also the, uh, uh, one of the co-founders, chief medical officer at a company called Rivero, which basically we are a, a healthcare company. We're licensed in all 50 states. Our physicians are completely on board with nutrition as you know basically first line how we how we should be dealing with disease so that's kind of the overview
0: that's awesome you're actually a wellness doc basically you're a wellness well company. i mean in, in a way
1: i mean i mean sort of it's not quite a wellness company but we i mean we're we're you know basically we have physicians that can prescribe and de prescribe and diagnose and treat which a wellness company often can't do that so we're a full service medical company mm-hmm. in the, in the in the in regards that we're we're basically all digital though
0: focused on wellness because well, I, f- yeah, I feel like
1: that's on, I, I'd say lifestyle nutrition would be a a way to say that in, in a more appropriate way, but sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah, lifestyle and nutrition. And so, basically, what what I'm hearing from you is that you basically tanked your own business in order to help people, because because you didn't have well, to do surgeries anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, in this country, an orthopedic surgery uh, job is 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 fairly fairly lucrative, and you know, it was kind of a risk, and it took a while, and it's you know, finally at this point. starting to see return on that which is really exciting because it took many many years to get this company up and going and launched and hired and raising funding for it uh we we just in fact just this month well this month january we started accepting our first patients we have like seven thousand patients on the waiting list already which is really cool so there's there's a huge demand for this i think as we talked off camera there are a lot of people that are kind of frustrated with the healthcare system because they're just tired of being stuck on all these pills and go from this specialist to that specialist, and here's another test, and here's another test, and and really never getting better, you know, and so this is a a different option for that.
0: I can't, um, you have a a focus at Rivero on, on autoimmune issues. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that was interesting with this carnivore thing, because I've been literally just, interacting with thousands upon thousands of patients over the years that have done this particular diet and one of the things that's very striking is its efficacy with various autoimmune diseases and so uh things like crohn's disease in, you know other inflammatory bowel disease ulcerative colitis rheumatoid arthritis psoriasis uh you know you mentioned uh, ms mm-hmm. um, these things often get better in, in in many cases to the point of full remission where people no longer need to be in medications it's not just Symptomatic relief we see objective scientific evidence that the disease is actually going away and so that's something uh, We're very excited to be treating. I mean we are uh, As we speak uh, collecting data and we'll be publishing results on our patients that we treat So we want to get this into the scientific literature. I am you know This isn't just this isn't just you know talking about stuff on social media behind the scenes I am coordinating a number of studies that are being done. I am mean, you know, it took years of me You know kind of basically you're screaming about this stuff to finally get people to take it seriously enough to where they're putting some money behind it so we finally have uh some research coming out which i think is really really exciting
0: it's going to be huge because there's a lot of folks that go right to the literature and they're not going to find the things that we're anecdotally talking about for you know all of the reasons big pharmaceuticals involvement in, in all these studies that it takes a lot to get someone to fund it like for example you just posted on x i think it was yesterday about this oreos versus statin study that was done mm. um by that by uh norwitz is his nick, name. nick nick norwitz yeah, yeah nick, nick norwitz yeah. we wrote about that for Highwire just to demonstrate mm-hmm. the ridiculousness of what they tell you versus what is actual. I want to, if you can, if you're okay with it, focus on on uh, cholesterol and and endurance. yeah, sure, sure. I would love you to do kind of like a download on that for folks because I've seen you take a little bit harder of a stance on it than you have in the past couple of days. You seem to have kind of backed off of what you normally say. You ask the question if you've been what you know, if you've changed your diet in this way, if you've you've mm-hmm. gone keto or carnivore. What is your LDL and right. what what does it change to, etc. And then you you can't really say, you're not treating any of the people on social media, so you can't give them medical advice, I assume, correct?
1: Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, but you give a couple of different options, but can you explain cholesterol for the general public out there and what things mean and the ratios and all that?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously a, a, a nuanced and, and, a, and a broad topic, but in general, you know, what we've been taught over the years is there's kind of two types of cholesterol. It's not really cholesterol. It's lipoproteins that carry cholesterol. There's something called LDL cholesterol, which is often referred to as bad cholesterol, and then there's HDL, considered good cholesterol. And really, there's just one cholesterol molecule. But um, if cholesterol is particularly LDL cholesterol, or now ApoB, which is just a marker, it's it's just a molecule that's on all these different lipoproteins. If it's really high over a long period of time, then the thought is that you're going to develop you know, atherosclerotic heart disease cardiovascular disease, end up with a heart attack or a stroke or something like that and you know there's a lot of research that backs that up however there is sort of this i guess a new thought that's going on is emerging that that if there are you know that's just a general recommendation across the board for the entire population and that population is standard american diet 60 percent carbohydrates grain-based diet so on and so forth probably a lot of those people the average American right now, their hemoglobin A1C is something like five-eighths. Of the The average American's pre-diabetic right now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. 42% of us are obese, 70% of us are overweight. Uh, and so it, what happens when you have a different population? You know, we have no qualms about saying men are different than women when we study them, right? We just don't blanket say men are treated this way, so we should treat women the same way. So now we have this new emerging group of people that are low carb, that tend to be leaner and healthier, they lose weight, all their other biomarkers go in very favorable directions. They may come off of medications because they reverse diseases. And yet, in a, in, a, in some cases, we see that their LDL cholesterol goes up quite high. And so the question is, what do you do about those people? You know, and I think that, one, it's looking like the reason the LDL cholesterol goes up when we get lean and we're low-carb physiologically makes sense. And it was it's probably a, conser- a conserved, uh, uh, you know, physiological trait that we've had for you know forever and ever as long as we've had winter basically because you know we didn't always have access to plentiful carbohydrates or periods of time where you know it's winter out you know i'm, I'm in you know I, well you're in south carolina but I'm, I'm out here in washington state in the middle of the winter there's not a lot of food options for me so i go out and hunt a deer or something like that and there might be a few berries i might be able to pick occasionally but i would probably be on a lower carbohydrate diet and so it seems like this elevation in ldl cholesterol that occurs really just it just goes in line with how much traffic is being Uh, how much fat is being trafficked in our blood. So what happens is if we're lean and we don't have a lot of extra energy floating around, like, you know, a lot of us have too much energy, I mean, too much body fat, and we've got, you know, all our cells are stuffed to the gourd with glucose and and fat and triglycerides. But when when we lean out and we don't take a lot of carbohydrates in, then our liver has to say, well, I have to feed these cells, right? The cells still need to eat. So what the liver does is it traffics fat to get to the cells because there's not as much glucose available because you're in a low-carb state. And that makes sense, you know, from an energetic standpoint, a so-called lipid energy model, which which Nick Norwich was demonstrating with that Oreo cookie experiment. So what he did was basically his LDL cholesterol was super high. It was like 384 milligrams per deciliter. It's like your doctor would be like, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. It's super high, right? They would be immediately emergency, get you on a statin right away. Well, he said, well, I predict that, because I'm in this low-carb state, and I'm very lean, the guy's ripped. He's got like six-pack, he's like he's a like BMI of like 21, yep. and healthy, otherwise super healthy. And the reason he did it was because he has ulcerative colitis, and he's put it into remission using ketogenic and carnivore diets, right? So there's a medical reason for him to do this, and yet his LDL cholesterol is super high. So he said, I'm going to do an experiment, because I believe this lipid energy model, which has not been published, by the way, in many papers, is actually uh, what's going on. And so he said, I predict if I eat 12 Oreo cookies every day, you know, in addition to my normal food, just add that extra carbohydrate back in my diet, it's going to bring my cholesterol down. And within three weeks or no, two weeks, 16 days, I believe it brought it from 384 down to 111, 274 point 73 point drop in you know, two weeks, basically, um, just by eating that extra carbohydrate. And then he compared it to statins and then he, then he let it get back up there. He waited three months, let it get bit real high again. And then he went on high dose statins for six weeks, which is what's recommended, and it had not even half the effect. Yep. So it shows that really there's a physiological reason for this high cholesterol. Now the question we don't know and we can't say yet is, is it safe and completely normal to have high cholesterol? Now we've got hints. There's another study going on that Matt Budoff, who's a, who's a uh, uh, cardiologist researcher at a Lankwist uh, Institute at UCLA, just published a paper. Well the preliminary data from the paper. And what it did is they took a hundred people that have super high cholesterol. They're all on low carb diets. There are all these lean people that, you know, the same thing we're saying. And what he showed was, and he compared them to another group of lean people that are not on low carbohydrate diets. And and the group that had, uh, you know, really, really high LDL cholesterol, we're talking 300, 400, 500, 600, right? Super high compared to the group that had normal cholesterol, so to speak, normal cholesterol. And they did high precision heart scans, something called coronary CT angiography, where they injected dye and they took a CT scan. They could see all the details, plaque everywhere in their heart, right? Hard plaque, soft plaque, doesn't matter. What he found was the people with the higher cholesterol had no more heart disease than the people with the low cholesterol. In fact, they had less heart disease, or, or you know, trending less heart disease. So, and they were then they weren't young people. They were people in their mid 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, they'd been on the diet for five years. Their cholesterol had been sky high so that sort of says well wait a minute why aren't we having super because the prediction would be your cholesterol is 600 my god you're going to be full of heart disease because your
0: cells are using it that's why i mean it's it's well, not necessarily right. just floating around there waiting to get sucked up by an artery your cells are consuming that and the blood draw is just a moment in time dr baker right i mean it's... well yeah
1: it is a moment in time but i mean the other the other thing is and i think the the real point here and there's another there's a huge study out of denmark it was done in 2022 mortensen did that where they found people that had that had heart disease and didn't have heart disease and then they looked at it something called a coronary artery calcium scan It's another ct scan doesn't have the dye but it looks for calcium in your heart if you've got calcium in your heart you've already got some plaque you've already got some heart disease and what they found was is that and they followed these people for for a period of time and looked to see who had heart attacks who had strokes who had open-heart surgery, you know, uh, who had progressed with, with other imaging, and they found that if you had a zero coronary artery calcium scan, then it didn't matter what your LDL was. It could be super high, it could be super low, no difference in outcomes. So again, it's showing that cholesterol, while considered um, part of the pathway for heart disease, it's conditional. It means what else is going on? Could it be high? And everything else is good, and it not be a problem. And that's that's sort of the theory right now. And I think the data is probably going to support that. So it's to say that. And so and, and and so my little post I put out yesterday was: What should you do if you're high if your LDL cholesterol is super high and you're on this low carb diet, whether it's ketogenic, you know, standard low carb, or even a carnivore diet? I would say you know there's a couple of things. You could put carbs back in because we know that brings it down. If you want to, you could take a drug if you want to. Again, it's your own choice. Or you could just watch it and get some imaging, and to see what's going on, I think, and that's what I do, because I have high LDL cholesterol, um, I had a CAC score when I was 50, so I'm 57 now, I had it when I was 51, it was zero, I'm going to repeat it again this year, and see and if it's still zero, then I'm like, hey, that's, that's pretty good for me, and you know, the, the other, you know, I've got a lot of inf- other information that I know about myself, so I'm more confident about or more i'm I'm more liberal about what i will do it myself versus what i could blanket recommend to everybody else because you know you, you can't just say ignore it like some people say ignore it i don't i don't say that now we may find out you know when these other studies are completed that we might be able to say hey it's fine don't worry about it but we're not quite there yet but i think that's 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 likely heading in that direction so uh the short answer is LDL cholesterol you know it may not be killing you it may be perfectly fine but get some more information and I think that's that's the reasonable way to to approach this
0: I did uh I did recently they ran a lipid panel on me because I told them that I was carnivore lifestyle and they were my doctor basically just oh you have to go in for some tests and then wrote a lipid panel in and I'm like they're going to try and prove to me that I need to stop this because I'm hurting myself typical mm-hmm. but I got it I got it run and truthfully my LDL is up my total cholesterol is up but my triglycerides have sliced in half my yeah. HDL is where it should be like I was in 186 triglyceride triglyceride wise now I'm in the 90s yeah. and, and that's a year of of strict carnivore um and so to me I look at that can you explain to people this ratio of HDL to triglycerides that everybody's talking about and what it means because I have a whole bunch of people who don't understand it
1: yeah. So, I mean, again, HDL is considered that so-called uh, good uh, good cholesterol, triglycerides when they're high are an independent respect for cardiovascular disease. And so when your HDL and, and, and triglyceride numbers get close to the same number, that's really, really good. In fact, if, if the HDL is a little bit bigger than the LDL, that's super good. If it's You know, if your HDL or if your triglycerides are less than twice of your HDL, that's still considered favorable. So, I mean, it's another way to assess cardiovascular risk. Some people will say it's more powerful than LDL cholesterol. Again, that's controversial. But, I mean, you can get all these different factors, and this is really important. There was a uh, really large study that came out in 2021, January 2021, uh, looking at risk factors in women. In particular, it was a women's health study or women's health initiative. I can't remember which one. But anyway, they they rank-ordered uh, so they followed like 50,000 of these women, you know, over a period of 20 or 30 years. And they looked at all these factors that, that contributed to heart disease, who got heart disease and who, who didn't. And LDL cholesterol had a small effect. It was like minimal things that had a bigger effect were were you diabetic or not? That was the biggest one by far. If you have diabetes, that's going to drive heart disease at least in this, this population of women. And then it was things like obesity and smoking and family history and inflammatory markers. And, all you know, metabolic syndrome, for instance. Mm-hmm. And metabolic syndrome, for those who don't know, is hypertension, hyperglycemia, uh, high triglycerides, low HDL, and then large waist circumference. And so so what we see with, with like, you know, y- you may have lost weight. I don't know if you got leaner when you went carnivore. Was that something you, you did?
0: I did, about 20 pounds in a year, not a lot.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's still significant. So that's usually what we see. But that's what we see. Uh, there was a huge meta-analysis that uh, Adrian Moda put out. early came out earlier this year in fact two or three weeks ago and they looked at 41 randomized control trials it was a meta-analysis of randomized control trials, so the highest level of evidence you can possibly have and it looked at people that went low carb and their cholesterol went up and the number one factor that predicted cholesterol going up was people that got lean or were very lean to start with so that kind of it kind of doesn't run you know in the direction you'd think it was because normally you think about people that are risk for heart disease they're overweight, they tend to be, you know, that that's tends to be who, like if you go to a cath lab, a cardiac cath lab, there's not a, little, a lot of lean people there with six-packs laying around waiting to <laughs> get their heart cath, right? It's mostly people that are sedentary, obese. And so it's kind of one of those things is like, why is everything going in the right direction? And now you're telling me I'm at higher risk for cardiac It doesn't seem to make sense just from a common sense perspective. And I think a lot of people are like, fine, that's it. You know, because I talk to people every day that, you know, they, I mean, literally, it's miraculous. They they have they've been bedridden with MS, and now they're they're back to back to work. Or they had ulcer colitis, where they're having bloody bowel movements, times a day, and now it's gone, and they're yeah. off all their medication. And you tell those people, hey, we're worried about your cholesterol. Maybe you need to change your diet, or you know, take a statin, or eat some cardboard, or whatever. You know, and they're like, hell no, I'm not doing it. I don't even care. So it's it's one of those things. So hopefully, we'll have more information on this. um uh, At this point, you know. At, Like I said, it still makes sense just to get more information. If you if you if you come back and your cholesterol is real high, you don't need to panic, but you just have to say, "Let me get some more information." I like imaging. I think imaging really tells you what's going on, and then you can see you know and then see where it goes because again, it's a snapshot in time. Depending on your age, if you're twenty and you know, it's very unlikely you're going to have anything in your heart. But if you're fifty or sixty, yeah, then it's a then it's really really helpful. It can tell you where you're starting at, and then the question is. It's always nice to get you know two slices because you can see here's where I started, here's where I am now. Am I getting worse? Is it staying the same, or am I getting better? And we've actually seen people where their cardiovascular scans have actually gotten better mm. by going carnivore ketogenic diets. So it's it's kind of interesting, uh, interesting stuff that's developing, and it pisses people off because a lot of people are so bought into this cholesterol ideology that, you know, and, and we've been looking at that from a healthcare perspective for really the last forty or fifty years. It's like everything is dependent upon what your LDL cholesterol is. And it's like, and, and to the point that we, we've we ignored everything else almost. And, rea- and the reality is probably most diseases that we see today, whether it's autoimmune disease or diabetes or, uh, you know, any of the inflammatory conditions, even mental health conditions, are probably related to our metabolic fitness. You know, like when we talk about this metabolic syndrome thing. So if you can address your, your glycemia, your inflammation, your hypertension, your, uh, your, your your sort of obesity, uh, then you're likely to get better from all these conditions, which is really, really fascinating.
0: I'm going to ask you a question and touch on this study thing uh, that we're experiencing now because you're starting to see the, the backlash to what you just spoke about as far as them not wanting to let go of that cholesterol, what may be a myth, but I will tell you, like for me personally, my A1C is always 5.3 normal. I haven't had a check since carnivore, but that's what it was. However, my fasting glucose was always 104, 105. And so the doctor would look at that and be like, eh, and walk away. Now my fasting glucose is in the, the low 90s. I have never been able to get it down below 100 in a decade never and I look at that as the way my body is now utilizing utilizing resources it's it's working better and my doc is going to try and say you need to really do something like I had an argument with her because she's like you need to add sugar to your diet I'm like would you tell a child to add another soda to their diet every day what are you telling me like square this for me and it's silence they don't know how to respond
1: yeah you know it, it, it is because you get a lot of physicians that are unfamiliar with and they're confused they, they don't know what the hell's going on they're just like this doesn't make sense to me let me go conf- consult my algorithm though mm-hmm. because most American medicine is now algorithmically based you know it's written by the pharmaceutical companies by the way uh you know via their you know surrogates the AHA and ADA and whatnot and so they're like well it doesn't fit in my algorithm and, and then they kind of it's like it's like uh, when they're the brain search malfunctioning. <laughs> functioning yeah you know?
0: NPCs Basically. yeah yeah exactly
1: yeah I don't know what to do it's... so so yeah it's 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 interesting they, they they're they just guessing at this point you know and 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 so you know you have to be your own advocate and for you know unfortunately uh, and this is the nice thing about Rivera are all our doctors included they they know this stuff so they're they're gonna they're not gonna be the clueless doctor that says oh my god yeah you need to start eating sugar yeah You think about what would compel a doctor to say that you need to eat more sugar in your diet it it, it just makes Uh, kind of zero sense
0: basically told me my kidneys were going to fail and that i'd never be able to continue this and you know i need to have more that's
1: total bs yeah let let me just speak to the kidney kidney issue because that's a common one because you know high protein diets have been associated um with higher creatinine so there's there's a blood test called serum creatinine and we calculate a number called the GFR the glomerular filtration rate how well our kidneys are filtered. based off that creatinine number and a lot of times when you go on a higher protein diet and a carnivore diet often is higher protein and, tip, and typically it is for most people um, you'll see a bump in your creatinine a little bit and, and so the, the traditionally trained doctor will see that and say ah kidneys must be failing uh, but the problem with that is it's normal to have creatinine go up if you have more muscle mass if you're working out hard or if you're eating more protein that's a normal finding and so you can do another test called cystatin c and and i end up doing this all the time I Have people come to me said oh my god my doctor was scared about my kidneys i say go get this other test cystatin c and it is always comes back normal it's it's just a test it doesn't matter how much protein you're eating so you have to educate your physicians because most physicians don't know this uh, and it's, it's in the literature, it's all over the literature. You can certainly look it up, you know, it's the statin C for determining kidney function. So, I mean, it's just a matter of educating these guys because we used to think that, um, you know, protein was harming the kidneys based on this so-called Brenner hypothesis, or Dr. Brenner from the 1980s was doing a bunch of rat studies, and they fed rats high-protein diets, and yes, the rats had kidney issues, but it doesn't translate to human data. And so what we see is when our kidneys fail. Yeah, it spills more protein. That's true. But it's not because of the protein. It's probably because of the diabetes or the damage from the crappy, you know, industrial diet that we we, we're consuming now. So just because you're spilling protein doesn't mean protein's causing the damage. It's just a symptom. You know, it's like it's like having an infection, having a fever. It's like, well, the fever must be killing me. I gotta avoid fevers. (laughs) Now you need to need to avoid things that give you infections, right? So it's it's again, it's it's amazing how um Uninformed most physicians are around this stuff because they don't they don't really they don't really encounter healthy people anymore We're so used to seeing sick people and almost all of our data and research is on sick people So when somebody walks in there like healthy, you should be like Treat the patient not the lab values. That's just such a basic simple simple thing, but we don't do that because we're like, oh well All these other people have bad labs and I need to do them this well I'm, I'm not that person. I'm somebody that cares about my health takes care of myself. I'm clearly healthier than I was last time I saw you, doc, I've lost all this weight. I'm no more in pain. I don't need these meds. How am I now less healthy? It doesn't make sense. And it and, and it shouldn't because it, it's, you are actually healthier.
0: Yeah. It's, it's incredible. You know, and, and to that point, there are a wide swath of people who are now adopting this and at least just giving it a try because, mm. you know, from COVID onward, we basically awoken a class of people that probably yeah. just trusted everyone blindly before and now don't. And the more people start talking about this, um, and I'm sure you've seen this explosion yourself, the more they start to put out, quote, research and data to combat it, like the meat causes diabetes study. I know that you went nuts about that. Can you talk to the the audience about that one for Yeah, us?
1: well, I mean, this is the problem. The vast majority of our nutritional research is this so-called observational data, associative data. It's based on epidemiologic studies. So they basically just grab you know fifty thousand people and they they hand them surveys food frequency questionnaires and they'll say what did you eat for the last six months right and most of us can't do that no no one really remembers right i mean i do because all i eat meat so it's pretty easy for me but for the average person how many ounces of blueberries did you have a week for the last six months how many you know how many pieces of of of, you know whatever orange did you have no one accurately can remember that so this is what the data is based on clearly inaccurate data and then they're you know Harvard that that Harvard study in particular that it said red meat sixty two percent increase in the incidence of diabetes. They call red meat lasagna sandwiches. Yeah. I mean something like, that's not red meat. Yeah. I mean you know you know it's, so it's, so it's so confounded and then oh, and then oh by the way the people that were eating more red meat happen to be. Happen to smoke more drink more be more overweight you're not even comparing the right populations but this is what they and they say well we can contr- we control for that how did you control for that well we put some variable in there of our own choosing and it's like you know it's kind of like you can make it read whatever you want and so there's there's clearly a uh a desire you know to have a cutback on eating red meat because it's killing the planet right and the, the nutritional researchers put that bias in there many of them are biased to start with Uh, So it's garbage. It's it's not even a study that you can even, I mean, at at best, you can make a hypothesis with that. You could say, well, I I hypothesize that red meat leads to diabetes. Okay, now test it. How would you test that? Well, interestingly, uh, one of the studies that that I'm working to get done and likely will happen uh, this year is, let's see what happens when you put people on an all-red meat meat diet with diabetes. What happens to them? Uh Well, in my experience, their diabetes goes away their blood glucose normalized, they get off all their meds. And not only that, but the end organ damage, the kidney disease, the eye disease, the the vessel disease, the hypertension also gets better, which shows you you're not just masking the symptoms because you're not eating carbs. You're actually reversing the disease process. And so that is a real study. That's what you want to do. And finally, I've gotten people that are willing to understand that. They're willing to do this. So hopefully we'll have that study started later this year probably later this spring and then hopefully finish by probably the fall or something like that. So again, it's 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 just this nonsense, nonsense epidemiology. John Anaidus, who is a professor at Stanford, he he was one of the guys who was somewhat critical of the COVID response. You know, you might know who he is. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the most cited research scientists in the entire world. And what he said is all these epidemiologic studies, I think they looked at like 70 of them, and then they compared them to actually testing them in a real scientific result and guess how many of the the the, the conclusions held up probably zero. 70. zero you're exactly right yeah. zero not one of those studies held up under rigorous scientific investigation so this is what we have we have a bunch of garbage we have a bunch of garbage study that's out there getting headlines you know i mean that study probably got you know covered by cnn and nbc and C- msnbc and fox news and everybody put that study out there because you know it kind of matches the narrative we we all want to go eat this plant-based crap this cheap really it's just cheap cheap crappy food it's making everybody sick but it makes tremendous profit for drug companies for food companies and then of course all the all the all the uh people that are tied into that so it's uh it's that's just the way
0: it is. It's so kind of crazy. I'm pretty stunned that like you know you're probably going to come up against the leviathan as you start re- releasing this stuff. It's just a breath of fresh air to have it. You'll have to deal with the people picking through and telling you why you're wrong and statistic- statisticians coming in and you know um getting them through peer review might not be that easy. It it is in the in at least the autoimmune space I can tell you from personal experience doctors are using studies on low carb carnivore to recommend to patients in their offices that they try and cut back on carb because that happened with my husband the doctor who was attending with his neurologist said oh my gosh i was just telling you about this you know i was just showing you this study that proved that inflammation was reduced and you know he's got undetectable lesions now it's almost unheard mm, of they won't him. tell him that he's cured himself obviously right. But there, he had cervical spine lesions that are undetectable now. That is- Yeah,
1: I've, I've seen several people with that with MS where, where I mean, it's the MRI is showing the lesions are going away. So you yep. can't just chalk it up to, uh, you know, it's, you're just imagining it's not, it's all on your head, it's actually on the MRIs. And you know, the problem, you know, some people say, well, sometimes it regresses. This is a funny thing because Sometimes these cases get better on their own. You're like, why the hell aren't you studying the hell out of those people? Yeah, right. Why? <laughs> you know, it's like, aren't you curious why it gets better? And uh, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, if you look at particularly these autoimmune diseases, the drugs that are coming out to to treat these things, the biologics, the immune modulating, mm-hmm. immune suppressing drugs, they are so incredibly expensive. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at infusions that are three, four, five thousand dollars a pop, yep. you know, once a month for a lot of people. So these people are putting in fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year on these drugs. Companies are making enormous profits. and you know it's suppressing their immune system. It makes them more susceptible to cancer and infectious diseases. Yep. And you have a treatment where, hey, just eat a bunch of steaks <laughs> for for a lot less money, right than these thousand dollar infusions um, yeah. which could 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 do that. And in fact, there is a there's another study that that's it, going to come out, Nick Norwitz again, uh, for he's he's a good friend of mine, by the way. Uh, we're doing a, a you know, a case series on on Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. We've got a whole bunch of people with documented biopsy-proven disease and complete remission by doing carnivore diets. And, and then that should stimulate a uh, intervention interventional trial, which I'll try to get funded and done later this year. But yeah, we're going to come up against that. I mean, obviously they're going to gaslight and they're going to criticize and attack. But here's a nice thing, right? Because when we had... You know whether it's climate change or COVID, it's really hard to assess it yourself i mean uh you know like i can't go outside and say oh my god the climate's changed i have no way to really assess that myself personally yeah. but when it comes to my own health i know i mean i can look in the mirror i know how i feel i can i can see what's going on and so it's hard to gaslight somebody about their own health i mean they try they try but it's really a lot of people are saying look I lost 50 pounds i'm no longer diabetic i no longer have blood pressure meds i feel great i feel 20 years longer it's bullshit. you can't you can't unconvince me of that right yeah. so i mean that's the nice thing we have in our favor is that you it's hard to, to convince somebody that they're sick when they're not sick they try you know they tried with some of that some of the stuff you know with the COVID stuff which is kind of interesting but, but asymptomatic anyway, spread
0: fun. you know all about that that's
1: yeah yeah I, I was you know i was critical of some of the you know and again i'm not a guy out here saying you know don't do this or don't that but i'm just saying hey let's use a little common sense here certainly give people informed consent because i think we really dropped the ball on informed consent uh because we didn't know what we're dealing with we don't need the i mean the companies didn't even share their data yep. and still we're, we're we're fighting you know FOIA requests Just to find damn data that should be widely publicly available so i mean um you know and and that's why i tell i tell people you know i mean you have to be your own best uh advocate because hey i'm I'm a physician and i don't have as much skin in the game for you than you do and I, i you know i might see you for 15 minutes once once every six months you gotta you gotta other people are being criticized for doing your own research it's like what do you mean reading is now bad for me or something like that it's kind of crazy
0: yeah you shouldn't do any of that stuff like you you, it's it's been something it's upside down world um for anyone out there who's thinking like oh great uh because for me i can't find a good doc in my area to see me and counsel me the way i want they think that what i'm doing is insane and i'm going to kill myself straight up i can't find and i don't want to go anymore but i do want to keep I'm a woman i want to keep tabs on you know my changes and all that stuff as i'm going through everything and you it's good to get a picture of your health and if you have something that you're coming into this with that needs treatment who is your ideal patient at um at Rivera?
1: well like i said we are set up to take care of people that are sick right i mean generally i mean we you know we're, we're happy to have healthy patients that's not a problem you know but i mean as far as what our design is is to take sick people with diabetes obesity metabolic disease hypertension or autoimmune conditions or inflammatory conditions and get them better. So if you have any of those, and that's a lot of people. I mean, there are 38 million diabetics and probably another 100 million pre-diabetics. And God, how many people are obese? Hundreds, you know, 100 million plus, And obese or overweight and autoimmune diseases now, some estimates, up to 50 million people. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that we could potentially treat. Um, and there's people that are like, you know, maybe perhaps like yourself that are like, hey, i'm doing something that my other my other doctor doesn't approve of but it's giving me the best health of my life and i just want some support so i mean those those are all groups that we might want to see now if if you are somebody that just you know reads the american heart association american diabetes association wants to follow that to the letter you know (laughs) we may not be the best uh group for you but i mean our doctors are very uh you know thorough very well trained they are very much uh, they're they're very much of the same mindset that, hey, we can use nutrition to treat most diseases and get you off medications and help to, uh, you know, because my goal is really, I mean, you shouldn't really, I mean, if you're sick, I mean, give us, say, a year to get you better and then never see the doctor again. I mean, you shouldn't need the doctor anymore. I mean, outside of an emergency, really. I mean, that's really, really, I mean, we, we've kind of trained ourselves at, at yearly visits so the doctor can take my labs to tell me what drugs to be on. I mean, that's the, mo- that's the formal model. You know, assess their blood all the time and if there's any discrepancy slap that statin on them or put them on this or that drug you yeah. know and it's just kind of like like when i was an orthopedic surgeon i prescribed a lot of anti-inflammatories right and this is before i kind of figured this stuff out but you know and you know people say well hey doc why is my knee well your knees inflamed here's an anti-inflammatory but the real question should be why is my knee inflamed Right. Why is it inflamed in the first place? You know, outside of a, Yeah, I just twisted my knee playing football or something like that. But if you just come in there and your knees ache and for no reason, it's like, well, why the hell is it doing that? We never answer that question. We never we never because we're just like, oh, bad luck. You're getting old or some lame excuse of an, of, 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 of an answer. When the reality is there's something in your environment. Maybe it's your food. Maybe it's, you know, some other stressor that's causing this. If we can if we can go after those things, maybe you don't need the drugs. You know, maybe, you know, maybe this won't progress to the point where, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to be replacing your knee. You know, mm-hmm. so this is, this is a, uh, you know, it doesn't make a lot of money for hospitals, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make a lot of money for drug companies. Yeah. But at the same time, we're helping people, actually. And I, and I do think there's some value in that. In fact, I think, you know, particularly as we partner with other, uh, other businesses, other companies, a lot of people, you know, have employ a lot of people and a lot of their people are sick and it costs a hell of a lot of money to take care of their health care bills you know when the employers pay for that and if you can get in there and say hey guess what We're gonna make we can it well. we can yeah. save you a hell of a lot of money then you can t- put that money into production and making profit so i think there is a way to sort of make this financing make sense rather than just uh giving all your money to a hospital system or a drug company
0: that's that's kind of the thing I say to folks when they tell me it's very expensive to do this to do this to be a carnivore, and I tell them Man. I've actually sliced my grocery bill in half, yeah. in half. Yeah, I
1: mean if you yeah I mean if you think just the people that go and suck down Starbucks every day, I mean that's you know I don't know what I don't drink coffee, but I mean what is it six or seven bucks yeah. for some kind of, I mean I can get a pound of ground beef for cheaper than that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean literally that can that that can be half my day's worth of calories. So yeah, I mean you can literally do you know, get you know ground beef and eggs. You can literally do it 10 bucks a day which is for most people pretty darn cheap most adults i mean that's that's certainly within you know uh and you're not taking all the supplements you're not to be, having to be on all the medications and so ultimately for most people it ends up actually being cheaper which is which is quite surprising
0: you don't have the doctor copays you don't have the pharma co-pays, you don't have the health insurance yeah uh, yeah
1: you, you know, save I on mean, all that stuff so yeah. you just put in your overall
0: there's, there's one gaping hole that I've noticed in our community that I really wish we could fill and maybe you know of somebody that you could recommend. Women's health, perimenopause, menopause, women on low carb carnivore, what what they should do, where they should look, where they're, because I'm, I'm in that position right now and I know that it's not what I'm putting in my body that's causing it, it's my age and just the fact that this happens to people in, in our age group, but I cannot find any information. Anyone you know of doing that work for, for women in our, it's basically split Yeah, well, I mean,
1: there are a number of, of doctors that are low-carb keto carnivores that are in that space. So Jamie Seaman in Nebraska, she's out of Omaha, Nebraska, and she's an one doctor that's off and on carnivore. There's a guy named uh, Bob Kiltz, who's up in New York. Uh, he is a fertility specialist, mm-hmm. but obviously does a lot of women's health. Uh, there's a guy named, I can't remember his first name, Dr. Fox down in, I want to say Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Jay Wrigley, I believe is, I think he's in, if he's not in, I think, I don't know if he moved to Puerto Rico or not, but he's in, otherwise he's in Alabama. So there's, there's, there's several people that do this and I know, I mean, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously women's health has some different nuances and, you know, obviously as you, Change. And there are some differences between women and men, you know. With I mean, obviously, I mean, despite the fact that we're told that we're all the same or some nonsense, you know. And yeah, I just I just saw a video of a women's rugby match where they had a guy dressed up as a woman just clocking a girl. I this mean, gal, tackled I just like,
0: her right at the waist yeah. and picked her up like a sumo wrestler. Yeah, body
1: slander. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I mean, I I you know again, I am I just think it just makes no no sense to put males. In with particularly contact sports like that, I mean, you're just going to end up with with some horrible injuries, which is just absolutely tragic. But no, but 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 I mean, there like I said, there are individual differences in how this diet should be, you know, implemented. You know, depending on what you're dealing with, like people that have like 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 you like MS, like you mentioned, they tend to do better with a little bit higher fat version. I mean, there's you know, when you think about it, our brain is made out of a, a lot of fat. I mean, our central nervous system is completely not completely but a ton of fat in there and so it seems to be that i see a lot of people with these central nervous systems mental health issues do better on a little bit higher fat approach which you know that's important to know these different nuances
0: yeah so i mean otherwise i'm excited i'm going to be watching what you do here because i've been wanting to um, get involved to start something like this, kind of revolutionize the healthcare field into something that we can actually tangibly hold. And it looks like this is actually that thing. And it's a breath of fresh air for me to see. So I'm going to keep pounding away on that and show people, you know, what you're doing. Um, and, and thank you for being a real pioneer in this and bringing so much good to, to the world and in what you've been sharing and your social media is hysterical. So
1: that too. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, unfortunately, you know, like people are like, you know, they, they, I'm I'm very serious about this stuff, but I mean, I get that the social media, you have to sort of do the goofy stuff to get the attention. So people actually pay attention. And so that's why you see me goofy steak eating. I'm eating steak while some crazy wacko vegan is talking some nonsense or something like that. So, I mean, it's important to like, you know, get people to hear the message and, you know, I mean, you could have the best message, but if you're, if you're talking in a closet, nobody hears you, who mm-hmm. cares? So you got to you got to get out there and do that. So that's why I do some of that stuff. But I am dead serious about the problem we have uh, in fixing it. Because, you know, I have kids. I have four kids that I don't want them to grow up in a world where they never know what health is yep. or they're, everybody's medicated unnecessarily in my view. Uh, and, you know, I think it is, uh, you know, I think this is just absolutely essential. I mean, when I, you know, you think about how fractured and divided and angry and frustrated and anxious society, society is. A lot of that has to do with just their overall health. And if you could have a bunch of healthy and, you know, you think about how much resource we have here in the United States, for instance, we have so much resource, but we have a country of fat, sick people that should not be the case. We should have a a country of robust, vigorous, productive, energetic, happy people. I mean, you think about it, you know, it's like it's not not like we're some 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 guy starving in Somalia, right? we have so many resources and yet somebody everybody's so damn miserable why is that because we're being fed frigging poison as our diet for, for the most part and we're too stupid or too corrupt to fix
0: it one question i have for you before we end today i have a friend who went to italy and said he you know he was eating donuts and and having cappuccinos every morning and he's losing weight and he's saying that's because the there are chemicals in our food here in the united states that are not also, in they're not allowed in the food overseas. Now that's true, but right. do you think that a an American who goes overseas and starts eating sugar overseas by by mere happenstance of the the lack of preservatives and chemicals in the food will do better with sugar than someone who lives here and decides to consume it? Weird question, I know, but
1: well, I mean, you know, you think about it. Like, you know, I, I go to Europe not infrequently. I've been there several times, and every time I go there, I walk my ass off. I mean, I'm walking everywhere. I mean, that, that's sort of the more culture. You go out to eat, you walk around, and you go look at the, the churches and the historic, and all the streets are really cool because they're all historic. And so most people just increase their activity level when they're doing that. So that's probably much of it. But, yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, maybe there's a little bit less of an inflammatory effect. And sometimes uh, when we, you know, eat things, we get inflamed. Sometimes we retain a little bit more water. And so, I mean, I think there is some. But, I mean, I think if you DEXA scan a guy and held him, you know, to the exact same level of activity, you might not see as much of a difference. But yeah, I mean, I, I hear that anecdotally, but you're absolutely right in the fact that, yes, we allow, I don't know how many extra ingredients, thousands of extra kind of crazy ingredients in U.S. food, which are outright banned in in most European countries. So there is something to that. And, um, but I, I do think it may be confounded by the fact that you're just maybe more active, you know, because, you know, you think about if you're, If your day-to-day job is you sit in front of a computer all day drinking coffee and eating donuts and then you go to europe and (laughs) now you got time and you're walking the streets and shopping and so there may be maybe some other things going on
0: if someone wants to volunteer for your studies where can they go to do that
1: oh gosh um well it depends on where we do so i mean we have a study that's going to be launching in uh florida and around tampa so there may be some call outs for that i mean obviously every patient that signs up for rivero will be given the option to consent to be part of a clinical trial or clinical study. Awesome. So, I mean, that's, that's another way to do it. And, and we're going to study everything. I mean, everything that comes through our door, whether it's diabetes or lupus or MS that we treat, we will study the results and publish those results to show what our efficacy is. Uh, so that's way, like I said, as these, like I said, right now on these other studies, I'm talking about that are outside of our company, we're, we're, you know, just finishing the funding talks and putting the researchers together. So as I, um as those studies are actually launched i can i'll share where they are because some of them will be center-based studies and so you have to live in the local areas mm-hmm. to be able to qualify so
0: yep. well everyone go to rivero.com take a look at the website i've got it up on screen right now dr sean baker thank you for joining us today this has been fantastic tons of information hope to talk to you again soon
1: tracy i appreciate it thank you and likewise i'd love to talk again
0: thanks good i don't want to play it or... again You might want to play it again after. (laughs) Ah, that was just fantastic. He's wonderful. There are so many great people in this space that are doing amazing things. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dr. Sean Baker and you got something out of it. You can follow him over on X. Um, If you go to I think it's Sean C Baker dot com. Let me see. Let me just or Sean C at Sean Baker. Let me just a lot of them. Yeah, it's S. Baker, M.D. S. Baker, M.D. He has the lion giving a middle finger. (laughs) It's his banner. Um, And I hope that was good for you guys. We'll be back on Wednesday with more information. I have the whole Florida COVID grand jury presentation or presentment to talk about. And a lot of stuff that's happened over the weekend, including this immigration bill and things like that. Hopefully this thing fails. It's terrible. But other than that, thank you guys for being here. Please hit a thumbs up on the way out. You can hear the Dark to Light podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. live streaming on X, on Getter, and on Rumble. And hitting audio only podcast 2.30 on all the podcasting platforms. We will be back on